there's a lot of competition and there's it's difficult to figure out how to market effectively. And we have on Zoom with us Nishma, who is an industry pro. She's been doing this for a long time. Musician, uh, songwriter, music produ producer, vocalist, business person. Likes to think outside the box. Been doing this for over 17 years. So Nishma, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andreas. It's great to be here. So uh, let's get into it. You know, a little background. At what age, you know what I'm saying, did you like, you know, really have this affinity for music? Oh man, as as far back as I can remember, you know, I remember being as young as seven or eight and writing songs. You know, they were terrible songs, but they were songs, you know, and I mm -hmm. I just I think I there wasn't really a moment where I felt like, okay, I love music. I think I was just always drawn to it. And then it just as I grew up. I, you know, I picked up guitar here, piano here, you know, and then it just kind of kept building on itself. So uh, when did you like, I guess, consider yourself like, you know, in the industry of the industry of professional in the craft? Well, I mean, I guess it de dep depends how you're defining professional, but I started recording music in a studio environment as young as 12. I was in, I was in, I think seventh grade when I had my first songs also, again, not very good, but, uh, they were my songs. And, you know, I, my, my mom took me up to a local recording studio and I, and I just hashed out two or three of them. And, and, uh, then uh, shortly after that, when I was in high school, I had my first placement. So I had a song uh, that got placed and still gets placed today uh, mm -hmm. on a bunch of a bunch of different TV shows and commercials. And so that was thirteen. So I guess I would say that was my first professional sort of uh, you know foray into the industry. Tax season is here. Maximize your refund legally with the tax office that has the experience. Barber's Tax and Credit Repair is available to assist you. Meet with any of the tax repairs that will gather some basic information and be able to set you up with the best refund possible. This includes sitting down with your preparer and navigating that process. Upon completion, you will be confident in knowing that you have maximized and gotten the best refund possible. Go ahead, get started today with a consultation and schedule your appointment. Call one 877 752552 Barber's Tax and Credit Repair they are here for you. Okay, so that's that's awesome. This is 13. Yeah. I'm like you still get paid for it now. That's a long time for a song to live. You yeah. Because uh, you know nowadays, depending on the genre and stuff like that, some songs die out really quickly. Yeah. Um so I guess you know, is it fair to say, because I haven't been, I haven't uh, heard any of your music yet, but just reading part of your bio that I've been able to go through, talking to you, get to know you a little bit, I feel like you make music uh, that is like timeless as opposed to, you know, music that is trendy. 
Well, it's interesting that you say that because I would say I am, uh, I have sort of two personalities when it comes to writing music. So there's the one personality that writes music for film and TV, and that music is not as deep, right? It's more, it's, it has more of a commercial purpose to it. Um, not to say that I don't connect to it, uh, and that I don't try to write from a place from, of truth, but it's not my main priority. And then my second personality would be the songs that I write for myself and for other artists. Mm -hmm. And that music, I definitely try to write in a timeless way and touch on themes that I know or I hope will resonate deeply with people. Okay. So uh, in doing so, what has been like, you know, I guess some of the best moments you've had thus far because uh, I, I see that where you know you've secured over 200 sync licensing placements in film and tv shows along with with the temptation Allen, nascar TNT, yeah and more i mean it's pretty impressive resume thank so you yeah it's it's been great what's been like you know some milestone moments for you thus far in your career well, I would say, you know, definitely getting those Netflix placements, the love is blind. Um, you know, I've recently got some stuff on Hollywood house lift, uh, and, uh, more temptation Island stuff. Uh, it, I don't know. There really hasn't been one defining, you know, placement where I've been like, Oh, I've made it, but mm -hmm. they all just kind of, they, it never gets old to get the emails and the placement alerts, uh, because it's just, it's great. Not only are you getting paid, but it's also, it's validation for what you do. It's mm -hmm. fun to be able to tell your friends and family and, mm -hmm. and, you know, the people who follow you. And, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a defining moment, but it's just every moment is, uh, every, every small win feels great. All right, so you're a businesswoman and you've been able to do all this. What are like some of the things that you can let uh, aspiring artists know as you know, they're getting musicians, getting into the industry? Like how do they make real income and what steps do they need to take to even get to that level? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say do sync licensing. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, the recent announcements from Spotify in terms of their their new payment thresholds or streaming thresholds for payouts. It only goes to speak to the narrative that streaming is a difficult way to make money unless you're at a certain listenership. Mm -hmm. um, and it's fine to try to, to try to build that listenership up, but it's going to take a really long time if you're using traditional methods like social media and, you know, kind of bugging people to stream your songs and stuff. And that's why mm -hmm. I always direct people towards sync licensing because it's an, it's a not necessarily immediate, but it's a more immediate income stream um, for doing the same amount, if not less work, you know, mm -hmm. you don't have to do the social media stuff. You don't have to market your music. You know, it's, it's a beautiful system designed so that everybody wins you, your licensing agent, uh, and the people who use your music, right? So I tell people, first of all, get into sync licensing. I mm -hmm. teach I teach people how to do sync licensing as well. Um, and what I tell people is if they want to start today, if they want to take an action today, something simple and a quick win, I tell them go to YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> YouTube University, right? And type in 
what is sync licensing? And there's like a million and one videos that you can watch. Just pick the first five are probably good enough and just watch them get a basic understanding of sync licensing. And then once you have that, once you have that understanding, the next step would be to go to Facebook or Instagram, probably Facebook, and just find sync licensing groups, free groups. You know, there's again, a million and one of them. Just type in the search bar sync licensing groups and Facebook will recommend you know, the ones that have the most activity or whatever, and join a few of them and just meet people, listen to people's music, post your music, get feedback on some of your music and just start building those connections because people who are already doing sync are great people to link up with if you want to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and then just continue learning, continue the process. And of course, if you, I always recommend, uh, you know, finding a mentor, whether it's w with me or someone else, find your mm -hmm. person, right, who can who help, help take you over the bridge. Um, and so that's what I would say to somebody today if they wanted to take some steps forward. That's what's up. I love it. So yeah. how, do you, how do you balance being, you know, a songwriter and do you perform your songs as well? You say you write them for yourself, but do you actually perform as an artist as, as well? So I actually have not performed since COVID. Uh, it just kind of, um, I was honestly doing mostly, um, like happy hour gigs just to kind of bring in a couple extra bucks. Uh, and I just found that to be really exhausting and draining. Mm -hmm. And so I shifted focus from the performing to the writing and the producing, and it's kind of stayed there. Mm -hmm. One day I might get back out there, uh, and tour my own music, but that's probably down the line. Okay, so you produce. So which one do you like better than songwriting or producing? Oh, man. That's <laughs> such a hard question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love them both so dearly, but I would say I I get more enjoyment out of the songwriting process. Okay. Because producing can be a little that. frustrating. I mean, songwriting yeah. can be frustrating too, but I don't know. I just feel like when you when you write a really awesome song, mm -hmm. it stands on its own. It doesn't even need the production. Like the production mm -hmm. is just the candy, you know, mm -hmm. or the sugar on top, right? Mm -hmm. So I just feel like that when you write a great song, it's it's just so special, so satisfying for me. So do you produce for other artists as well or are you just producing your music to mostly to see? Mostly I do myself every once in a while. I'll 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 produce for somebody else, but um, mostly my own stuff. So how, how has that process been for you by producing for other people? You know, it's been a journey. It's harder than it seems. I mean, I think it depends on the person you're working with and, and how clear they are on their vision for the song. Mm -hmm. Because I, I think what I've noticed is half of the process is just helping them figure out what they really want from the track. Um, because I think, you know, a lot of times people who they're not producers themselves. And so they don't, they don't have all the language of music mm -hmm. production. And so they're just kind of doing their best to communicate their vision. Mm -hmm. But sometimes because they don't have that language, it's really hard mm -hmm. to, you kind of have to be an interpreter, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, that's probably the most challenging part, but once you get good at that, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a joy to help someone's vision come to life. Okay, so why do you think it's challenging for aspiring artists to break through the noise in today's music industry? I think it's challenging for a couple of reasons. The first reason is there is just so much competition. Mm -hmm. You know, I always take it back to this 
the very basic concept of supply and demand, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if you know this or if your listeners know this, but on average, there's about 40 to 50,000 songs uploaded to Spotify per day. Mm -hmm. uh, and that number is probably low because I think I looked that up a while ago. It's probably mm -hmm. increased since then. Yes. So that's a lot of music, right? That's more music than anybody on this earth has time to listen to. Mm -hmm. um, even all of us combined, you know, mm -hmm. and that's not taking into consideration the back catalog of probably billions of songs that mm -hmm. exist already and have existed before. So to say that competition is fierce is an understatement. So I think that that's just a natural part of the challenge of being in the music industry. Mm -hmm. But then the second thing, which I think is actually more relevant and more important to overcome is the marketing method that you choose. Mm -hmm. So you can go to the traditional methods, which by the way, seem to change every like five years, right? <laughs> yes. Because before, <laughs> before TikTok, it was Facebook and Instagram. Before Facebook uh -huh. and Instagram, it was MySpace. Before MySpace, mm -hmm. it was, I don't know, Sirius XM. I don't mm -hmm. know, you know, you're going back before my time at that point, but you know, there it's always changing. So you always have to figure out, all right, where do people consume music and discover music? Mm -hmm. And and now it's this whole Spotify playlisting thing. And it, it's, it's mm -hmm. just, so I think the second thing is really getting clear on what marketing methods are sustainable for you as an artist. Mm -hmm. uh, and what could you do that's a little around the, the regular path? So the mm -hmm. path less taken, let's say, that could maybe get you results faster because there's less competition. Mm -hmm. Those those paths though, they typically, because they're paths less traveled, they're not as cut and dry as the other ones in terms of mm -hmm. what you need to do. And sometimes often they require more investment, financial mm -hmm. time. You know, you need to learn new skills. Like for example, if you, if you I, I recommend people run Facebook ads for their mm -hmm. music towards, towards their websites and generate leads, but you know, that's like a whole behemoth, right? Uh, just learning Facebook ads and what is a lead, you know? <laughs> like, why do I need them as a musician? So it's, so there's a lot more learning and you can read books and books and books just on how to run Facebook ads and run lead can lead generation campaigns, mm -hmm. which I've done, right? So mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not speaking, I'm not, <laughs> and they're expensive, right? So yeah, so it's not, it's not so simple as just, you know, just doing it because it's, there's a reason why less people do it. Right. So anyway, not to go on too much of a tangent, but to summarize, those would be my two things. You know, it's, there's a lot of competition and there's, it's difficult to figure out how to market effectively. Yeah. And uh, I definitely agree with you with all that 1000%. And then also to add a little to that, I remember looking up the numbers for iTunes back in 2021, there were 10 million singles on iTunes on the server. That did not mm -hmm. get a single download. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. So, like, like you said, it's not even fierce competition. It's like mm -hmm. there is so much supply mm -hmm. that it's just literally overwhelming. And like you said, you have to do something different, stand out, not take the same traditional path as everybody else, because you're going to get caught in the bubble, of the funnel system, or whatever, and you're yep. going to get kept. And no one's going to know about you because they can't hear about you because they don't have the bandwidth right. to know about you. Um, so 
with that being said, then, um, and knowing the industry, if you had the power to change the industry, what would be like, you know, two things you would change about it? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> I don't know how you could enforce this, mm -hmm. but I would make everybody study business. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Like I said, it's impossible to enforce, mm -hmm. but I would say, I guess, I guess I would say make business a part of the conversation more often than not, because I think that a lot of artists, this is what, this is where they get stuck is the business piece. They're great with the creative piece and that's what they want to do, right? It's what mm -hmm. we all want to do is just make songs and get rich, right? Without having to do anything. But unfortunately, that's not how it works. You know, it is a business. You have to figure out how to monetize your commodity, just like mm -hmm. any other business. You want to start a restaurant, you got to figure out how to pay for the brick and mortar shop and do the marketing and hire the staff. And it's no different in, in music. It, 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 the same laws of business apply to music as any other industry. So the first thing I would say is make everybody learn business, talk about business more. Uh, and then the second thing, oh man, there's so many issues, but <laughs> maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe have more, have more conversations about equity and, um, you know, the male versus female dynamic in the industry mm -hmm. that causes so much pain for so many, I'll say, largely women i'm sure men get the short end of that stick on occasion but you mm -hmm. know the stories about just sexual harassment and mm -hmm. and gatekeeping and abuse mm -hmm. of power they just they're too too they're too common and you hear them you know all the time and and so i think if you if we could talk about that then mm -hmm. i think that would be a game changer I mean, we are talking about it, but yeah, if we, we, but if we no, could change links, it, you know. Yeah, exactly. I definitely get that because being, you know what I'm saying, on my end, but I've been in the industry since 2005, and I, my uh, area or niche involves just working with independent artists and all that encompasses, you know, and yeah. promoters and independent stations and, you know, that subsystem of industry that people don't even realize it's out there. Because mm -hmm. uh, everybody's knows that can't be big. I'm like, only yep. so many people could be big because <laughs> all so many resources are going towards those artists. Yeah. Um, but the stories over there, as far as like women being taken advantage of all the time, I know DJs who use their power um, yep. a lot. I know program managers and music directors who do the same thing. Supervisors. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's just it's it's very shameful. Um, and then you see the stories. I think uh, L.A. Reid. Uh, was a few years back, caught a lawsuit when he was, which label was he at that time? I think Def Jam is Aaron Anderson. I can't remember. Um, but the young woman or whatever. And I'm like, this is, this is yeah. mind boggling that, um, that is still something, but it's not just the music industry. I mean, it's just in every industry. Yeah. It's our culture as in, in America. Yeah. You know, which it, I think, sucks. yeah, it just shows itself because there's such a, a power dynamic in the in the music mm -hmm. industry where there like, there's a clear hierarchy and mm -hmm. i think those sort of uh toxic subliminal issues tend to mm -hmm. rear their heads when those mm -hmm. power dynamics are the most uh distinct yeah 
Um, so considering, you know what I'm saying, your expertise and, you know, you've doing what you've done and accomplished, do you see yourself moving forward as like an executive role anytime or is that something that's not going to be on your radar? I mean, I consider myself to have um, an executive role now, it, just mm -hmm. in my own little mini business mm -hmm. and maybe in my own head. But uh, I know what you mean. And mm -hmm. uh, I would say probably I would love I always envision myself running some sort of not necessarily a label, but really like an artist development agency mm -hmm. and go back to true artist development right, so you you agree with me then as far as like that is needed <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah right now there's no artist development there's there's artist um what's the word predat predator yeah. predatory you know uh -huh. basically labels are poaching artists uh who have already done the artist development for themselves and then you know charging the artists an arm and a leg to do that with their really crappy uh 360 deals mm -hmm. and unfortunately artists are just not educated enough to know that what they're signing is a load of crap so mm -hmm. they they eat it up like it's a mm -hmm. a tasty cake and then mm -hmm. they realize there's crap in the middle of it so mm -hmm. so okay so then like I, I like to have these conversations with artists and uh, songwriters producers and people in the industry so is it the artists now wanting to learn is why they're getting the crappy deals or what what do you think is the reason for that? Because let me not give you an example. I started in the music industry doing research. Right? I was in college. Um, I always had this affinity and love for music and I didn't know what I wanted to do exactly. So while I went to school for business, conversation and marketing, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do music promotions and basically, you know, make my own character. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but in doing so, I learned everything I could possibly learn. And I've learned a lot about publishing, licensing, uh, copyrights, audit, distribution system, labels, management, all that, even uh reading contracts and things of the nature and understanding the terminology. Um, on my, I can look to my left right now, and I think I can. So, on my shelf, I have music law, the music business. Yep. To see culture brochures, running your music uh, business through the attorney Audrey, it's turned sideways, Rich Shalom. Uh, I had the Donald Passman, all the, all the things you need to know about the music industry, which Great is a book. fantastic book, by the way. Yep. Um, I think it's in its 10th edition or something like that. Uh, Ari Hint first and uh, how mm -hmm. to make it in the new music industry business that I met him at a CD Baby conference uh, about four years ago in Nashville. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, so oh, How Music Works by David uh, Byrne. Uh, the Future of the Music Business, fourth edition by Steve Gordon. So my approach yeah. was to do research, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how I was able to do the things that I'm doing here in the area that I'm at. Um but I singled that out to my approach. It are people who want to get into the industry, especially the artists, because at the end of the day, the artists are the products mm -hmm. um, of the system. Now, they help the system go, and the system needs both. The system needs the artists, and the artist needs the system, right? Mm -hmm. Can't argue that. Um, now, is it fair? We can argue that. <laughs> mm -hmm. As far as, like, you know, who gets compensation? Now that. Yep. But at the end of the day, I was always told, if you want to learn something, you want to jump in something, do your research, things that are native that way you prepare when you get into it. Or do you believe in your 
perspective and uh, area. Are artists not wanting to learn or because Otis Redding, um, huge artist and everything, was able to negotiate keeping part of his publishing with Capricorn Records. And when he died or whatever, it just kept going on to his uh, family. Uh, what else? Another example. What's that? Uh, French Montana was the first artist on Bad, on Bad Boy, the roster. To be able to keep his publishing, oh, so nice. I have we have these examples of where artists utilize negotiating business and everything, but we have all these other examples of where artists rob of their publishing and stuff like that or whatever and signing it away. Yep. So do you think? And I know this is a long-winded question, <laughs> but do you think it is bare core? Are artists not really educated, or they just don't want to be educated? that's a great question and yes i think it is a bit of a loaded question but i think it's that it's not that they don't want to be educated it's that they don't know that they don't know so it's so it's this you know you don't know what you don't know sort of thing Mm -hmm. where and i think a lot of artists especially in the social media age they get their cues from what everybody else is doing mm-hmm. and from co- pop culture and from history and from and from kind of this very curated image of what it is to be a, a music artist. Mm-hmm. And co- doing your research is not part of that narrative, right? <laughs> you don't you don't have anybody on social media saying, do your research before you sign a record deal, you know, instead Mm -hmm. they're just kind of posting photos of their concerts and whatever. And, you know, and that's, that's fine. It's their platform. They can do on it what they wish, but, but I think that's part of the issue is there's just no conversation about it. Uh, You know, especially if you're not studying music or the music business in a formal setting, like at a school, which by the way, you don't need to, I'm, I'm a believer that you can learn everything you need to know by going mm-hmm. to the library, especially these mm-hmm. days with the amount of information that's out there, but that's a sidebar. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just that artists don't know that they don't know things. And then they kind of just follow the thing that's the most shiny and mm-hmm. then they they hope for the best and sometimes the best works out and that's great and we love that but most of the time it doesn't you know i think the i think the 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 data and don't quote me on this but i think mm-hmm. the data somewhere along the lines of like over 90% of artists who sign record deals get dropped within i think 2 years or something mm-hmm. so it's or really it's a si- <laughs> or shelved exactly so it's something yeah. along the lines of like it's a very high percentage right. of artists yeah, exactly. that are not like the record it's it's kind of like the record deal has become the high school diploma of mm-hmm. the of the educational world where like it doesn't really mean anything anymore mm-hmm. um and you really need something else to drive you forward once you get that record deal in the first mm-hmm. place um so yeah that's that's my best guess at a my, my best attempt at an answer to that i get that i understand so uh let's talk about like numbers in as far as what do you think it takes to launch an artist now as far as financially um independently 
um, all the things that you have to do to get your music out there, no matter which direction you go. You go directly into the sync licensing uh, vein, or if you want to go into that where you're building your brand and building up, you know what I'm saying, a listener fan base and stuff. What, what's a realistic number? Well, I think it depends on what your goals are, right? Mm -hmm. It depends on, and I'm talking measurable goals, right? So, because mm -hmm. there's a few different routes you can take. Even you mentioned a couple of them. You know, you could do sync licensing. You can do, um, you know, streaming. You can do building a fan base. So I think once you have a goal solidified, so let's take an example, right? So let's say you want to build a fan base of 1,000 loyal Mm -hmm. head over heels for your music fans right mm -hmm. i would then start from that number and i would work backwards and i would mm -hmm. say how much does it cost to acquire one of those fans mm -hmm. you're not going to know that though until you try to acquire one of those fans and you don't need and that is assuming you already know how to acquire one of those mm -hmm. fans so but let's say you figure that out let's say you know that you can run um, a Facebook ad with just like a 30 second clip of your music. Uh, and out of 10,000 people who hear it, you acquire one true fan and they join your email list, let's just say. Mm -hmm. So let's say running that ad and acquiring that one fan cost you $500, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's accurate or not, right? But you'll be able to know, okay, well, if I want to replicate that times a thousand, then I need to put a, a thousand, three zeros at the end of that mm -hmm. 500, right? So that's mm -hmm. 500,000. Mm -hmm. And then in theory, you should have then acquired 1000 true fans. Mm -hmm. Now it's how do you get a return on that $500,000 investment, right? Yeah. Which mm -hmm. is not so easy to do. It's possible. VIP stuff. Exactly. And that's content. how you... Exactly. And that's where the mon knowing how to monetize comes in. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, 1000 true fans, I forget there's, there's a book about it. I forget who mm -hmm. wrote it. Um, but supposedly 1000 true fans is all you need to make a living in music. If in theory, mm -hmm. everybody pays you 100 bucks a year, which is not a lot of money, especially these days, it's like less than 10 bucks a month or something. Uh, so if you charge everybody a subscription for 10 bucks a month, you're making $100,000 a year. And that's a good salary, which it is. Mm -hmm. So in theory, you could make your money back in five years doing nothing else, but charging everybody nine bucks a month or 10 bucks a month to be in your private club or whatever. So, but again, that $500,000 number is just randomly generated to demonstrate what you really need to be focusing on, which is reverse engineering the process of mm -hmm. reaching your goal. So let's say your goal now is I want a million streams on Spotify again okay how do i get these streams am i running TikTok videos am i how many videos do i need to get people to go over to the, and stream the music you know what i mean so there's a lot of testing involved and you mm -hmm. could take the TikTok route or you could take the instagram and facebook ad route and you can you can say all right well if i spend a hundred bucks on a facebook ad that results in a thousand streams or whatever so you know you just do the math and things like that so I can't give you a clear answer, but mm -hmm. I, I can say that that's the process I take mm -hmm. to figure out how to achieve my, my measurable goals. Mm -hmm. So then what's some of your measurable goals now going forward in you know, 2024 is around the corner? Some of my measurable goals include um, 
Well, <laughs> I would like, uh, I'd like to get my business into the seven figures. Um, so I, I, how do, how do I accomplish that? You know, various means combination of sync licensing placement, uh, clients, mentorship clients, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not really into the streaming thing right now, uh, but mm -hmm. I will get there in a couple of years. That's probably a 2026 goal. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. So how's the, the current clients you mentoring them? How's that going for them? Are they receptive to the information? You know, sometimes, you know, people, like you said, they'll go and, you know, there's a lot of information being put out there on YouTube and all this stuff yep. and these different platforms, but it's not necessarily the entire picture or it's misleading, it's 10% of the truth and 90%, you know, just sensationalized. Yeah. <laughs> how is that if, How is that process with you when you are mentoring people? Are they responding to it? Or they were like, oh, I don't know about this. Or, you know, have you run across where maybe you started a mentorship and then they decided like, no what? if I got to put this much work into it, I'll just go do something else easy, that's easier. Unfortunately, that does happen. I would say I've gotten better at detecting those mm -hmm. personalities uh i would say maybe mindsets um before i before i decide to work with them because i take an approach where i don't work with just anybody i i want to work with people who are who are excited to do the work because that makes it my job easier and more satisfying um but to answer your question I would say most people are really grateful for the support. They need the support. They find it really valuable and they are wrestling with the reality that it's going to take longer than they thought it would. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you said, they realize how much work, how much consistent work they're going to have to put in before they actually see results. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, most don't run away, but it makes them kind of second guess the process and have some <laughs> resistance to it. But, you know, not everybody can rise to the top, you know, so yeah, only those who are willing to put the work in. And, you know, I, I always say there's this, this concept that I talk about in my coaching and my mentorship. It's called the triangle of success. Mm -hmm. And basically the shape of the triangle represents, I don't know if you could see it, mm -hmm. the number of people from mm -hmm. bottom to top, and mm -hmm. then also the, the length of time. Mm -hmm. So if the bottom of the triangle is the beginning, uh, there's more people, right? Mm -hmm. And then as time goes on, fewer and fewer people are left. So if mm -hmm. you can just hang in there, Mm -hmm. along the ride and don't drop out of the tri uh, drop out of the square right <laughs> that becomes a triangle uh -huh. uh, then you will inevitably get to the top right yeah. it's just it's basic physics because the mm -hmm. triangle has to end come to the top at some point right mm -hmm. so that's what i tell people is you know the longer you stick in it the longer mm -hmm. you stick with it the less competition you have right yeah I love so it. I love it. so yeah that's yeah so I, I imagine you're full time with your uh, your business and your career. I I mean I'm full time on a lot of different things. <laughs> I don't just have 
I don't just do music. You know, I, I have a, I have rental properties that I manage. I, I have uh, uh, other marketing stuff. I have coaching stuff that I do. So a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, full, I guess a full-time entrepreneur. Then. Yes, full-time entrepreneur. You can put it that way. Yeah. How long, how long have you been a full-time entrepreneur? <laughs> oh, man. I feel like since I was a kid, but <laughs> uh I don't know. I, I can't really put a number on it. I feel like I've just always been an entrepreneur. And recently, uh, over the last few years, it's become more and more my main focus. So as an entrepreneur um, and, you know, all the things that you have to face as an entrepreneur, you know, the industries that you're in and the barriers and all that, if there is one thing you could do to help entrepreneurs get on the path quick, what would, what do you think that would be? Uh, and I, I just want to put a disclaimer that I'm not saying this for my benefit, but I am saying this because it's something that I've, I've had to learn over and over again, and it's an expensive lesson. Mm-hmm. Get help, okay. get support. Don't try to figure this out by yourself. Mm-hmm. It, you don't necessarily have to pay for it, but find someone, a friend, a mentor, a teacher, someone in your community who can just kind of guide you along the path so that you can avoid spending sometimes years mm-hmm. doing the wrong things, right? Because practice makes perfect. No, the right practice makes perfect, right? Mm-hmm. And you can very easily do the wrong thing, you know, dig in the hole that you thought goes to China and it, it dumps you out in the Atlantic or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> bad, bad analogy, but you get the image, I get right? What you're saying, yeah. So get help, get support. Don't do this. Don't try to figure it out by yourself. Okay. Um, how has podcasting helped you um, with all your ventures? You know, I've only been doing podcasting for a little over a month, but so far mm-hmm. it's been wonderful. I mean, I love connecting with other entrepreneurs and like-minded people and musicians. And uh, it's been, it's been a lot of fun just talking about the things I'm passionate about. So, uh, you know, uh, forecasting things in that nature, looking into the future, do you see anything that where you see like the music industry might be changing just being as an entrepreneur, how things are, you know, get it in a certain direction. Yeah, I mean, there. I think you're going to see a lot of innovation with streaming. You know, Spotify has already rolled out uh, some new features to their platform for artists that allow artists to supposedly connect more directly with their fans. Mm-hmm. But also, one word of caution with that is it's kind of a smokescreen. You want to be, you can cultivate direct connection with your fans without Spotify right? Mm-hmm. You don't need them in the picture to do that. As a matter of fact, you don't need to actually really get direct contact with your fans. I could be wrong, but that's my understanding. They kind of, you know, they're kind of trying to set it up where it's like an e-commerce situation. Mm-hmm. You want to have that on your own website, something that you control, something that mm-hmm. you can direct traffic to without, mm-hmm. without an algorithm deciding your fate. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I can see a lot of artists kind of just trying to now, you know, okay, it's the next thing. It's Spotify's 
merch thing. It's Spotify's connect with artists thing, you know, and now everybody's trying to do that. This could be your opportunity to take the path less traveled and say, you know what, I'm going to actually just run small Facebook campaigns to my own website and try to just collect some email addresses. And that way you actually have direct contact with your fans without mm -hmm. any other third party service involved, except mm -hmm. for your email service yeah. provider or whatever. I definitely uh, get that and understand that. And I've actually advocated for that. Uh, in my experience, what I've seen is that, again, it goes back to the work because you have to, like, you know, follow up with those emails, whatever, mm -hmm. like, you really start selling the things. So, of course, you're going to have some, they're going to want to do it themselves, but then you're going to have a good portion of people who are want the easier way out than put in that work. But then when you don't put in that work, you give up more of the profits. Yep. You start getting, you know what I'm saying, what's handed to you as opposed to what you could make yourself. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, like you said, it goes back to what you said. It all boils back down to business. <laughs> yep. Understanding those basic <laughs> concepts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. So, Val, it's, uh, it's been lovely talking to you. I could, I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> I know. Let's do it again. It's been great. You're asking really great questions. Well, uh, Let's see. I've been doing this since 2016, so you know, oh, okay. got, uh, you know a nice little uh, built a nice little resume uh, up under my belt. Nice. Um, but let people know, you know, if they want to get in contact with you, they want to learn anything about music, real estate, development, all that stuff, the things that you've been doing. Where do people need to be directed to? Yeah, they, you just go to my website. It's nismaosman.com/call, and I I recommend people go there. That's where you can learn more about me and get in touch with me directly if you want to ask any questions about what I do or you know if I can help you along your journey at all. And it's it's just my first last name dot com nismaosman.com/call. All right, y'all. So y'all heard it from Nisma herself. Y'all go to the website, book those calls, and you know. Uh, you know, go ahead and if you're out there and you need serious coaching and stuff, book those classes and stuff and invest in yourself. Nishma, yeah. thank you for your time. Thank uh, you. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed this conversation and like, I, I definitely want to do it in the future. Same here. Anytime.